Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the joyous founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's uh, NBA Finals booking birth. I don't even know. That doesn't even make sense. Episode that is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me. Uh, let's say tomorrow. I'll do one tomorrow. I've had a lot of people wanting to do a green room. You guys can come on and, and celebrate and, and drink beers and, and swear and do whatever the hell you want to do. I'm not really sure, but we'll do that tomorrow. Keep an eye on my Twitter and I'll, I'll tweet out that time. But Frank, the Bucks did it. I, I just said to you that honestly coming into this game, I, I just kind of assumed in my head we were heading for a game seven. It just felt that that's the, the destiny this series was on. And we can go through the game and we can talk about all the little things that happened. Chris Middleton, again, I said it after the game three podcast. This guy is now immune from criticism. I don't even care anymore. 23 points in the third quarter was just absolutely unbelievable. Had me just cackling on my couch watching this guy knock down shot after shot after shot. But big picture here, Frank, I, I just want to talk about this and, and what this means. And look, listen, you've been uh, watching this team and a, and a diehard fan for a long, long, long time, Frank. And I just never actually truly believed we would ever see this team advance to the NBA Finals. And when you think about this path, and I think back to the prior to game one of the series against Miami, we discussed this, we discussed the path that was ahead of the Bucks. And when you think about everything they went through, Trailing 3-2 against Brooklyn after already trailing 2-0. That absolutely incredible game seven. And then getting Atlanta and then watching Giannis go down and getting blown out in game four. It felt like it just wasn't going to happen. And for this team to respond the way they did, get the job done on the road behind Drew and Chris, the two stars. The reason why you acquired Drew Holiday for this moment here right now to advance to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1974 and perhaps most importantly, the Bucks won the series in six. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just kind of speechless. I, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm still. I, I still use sort of Tuesday night as this reference point, for, at least emotionally, oh. for where I am with this team, and you know, using the Giannis injury and the the sense of dread that you had Tuesday night as a Bucks fan and feeling like, you know, it's been taken from us, you know, or this, this golden chance. And there's been so many things. The Bucks have had a lot of lucky breaks, you know, with, with other teams, injuries, et cetera. So to see Giannis go down, um, it felt like, you know, something had been stolen from you, you know, in, in, in some ways. And to not only get the news uh, the next day that Giannis, you know, had avoided serious injury, there was a chance he could actually come back in these playoffs if the Bucks progressed long enough to then see the way the team responds on Thursday night and, you know, just rises to the occasion and plays, you know, just a complete 
you know, game, especially offensively on Thursday night, the the play from Drew and Chris, and then Brooke and Bobby just delivering the playoff performances of their careers to carry the Bucks to that three two edge. And I agree. I mean, you know, I feel like in a lot of ways you go down to Atlanta, the psychology is really interesting because the Bucks, um, the Bucks could could go in and how do you how do you prepare yourself, right? You say, well, hey, the pressure's on Atlanta. Let's just play free. Uh, you know, let's do this. But it's such a – I feel like people don't always appreciate, you know, the, the, the knife edge of energy and aggression versus playing under control. And, you know, I think too often we just sort of act like, well, just, oh, the Bucks are bigger. Like, oh, just go be big. Go dominate inside like you did in the last game, you know. And it just becomes very, you know, reductivist in, in a way that a lot of times the analysis happens. And the hard part is, you know, these guys having to go out and play with aggression and speed and also discipline and control. And I thought, you know, look at Chris and Drew. They, they, they especially Chris, struggled to find that balance. They were trying to pass inside. They were trying to attack. They had 10 turnovers between the two of them in the first half. They had three total in 87 combined minutes on Thursday. And they were not finding that balance of, aggression and uh and and control and so i you know give the bucks credit though as a team drew was was still pretty good in that first half he was getting the paint they still couldn't make threes i think looking at the shots i think they were five out of 19 from three in that first half so again it felt like man and and i mean atlanta was also bad so it wasn't like atlanta was going going nuts but it felt like man yet again this this garbage three-point shooting is just following them around and we talked the other day right I think I said like oh man can't this just be the game where you know Forbes hits a bunch of threes and they make like 18 threes and and that carries them to a win and sure enough took a half but Middleton just captures absolute fire in that third quarter I think it was I want to say it was down to maybe it was down to two points or four points and Chris scores 16 straight points for the Bucks. it's one actually it was down to one and they blow it wide open. And, um, and you know, there were some nervous moments there in the third, in the fourth quarter. I thought Drew had some huge buckets that, that bucket, that driving double pump, uh, finish that put the bucks back up eight. Um, that was, you know, to me, the kind of, it wasn't the turning point in the game. Cause I think the Middleton run was the turning point, but that drew move was the, and again, they were up six, so it's not like you know, it's 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 really close. But that was the game that, or that was the play that really, to me, sort of steadied the ship, righted the ship. And from there on out, you know, those last few minutes, they were able to get stops. And you know, when PJ hits that three from the corner, you know, what was he zero for six for that three? Um, I think that was the Bucks' seventeenth three pointer on the night, and I think they were. 12 out of 26 in the second half from three. Um, so, hey, we had to wait a while. <laughs> kind of similar to game seven of Brooklyn. We had to wait too long, it felt like, for the Bucks to start making threes. But they finally started making shots. And Chris and Drew, you know, 32, four rebounds, seven assists, three steals from, from Chris um, on 22 shots. Drew... 27 points on 23 shots, nine assists, nine rebounds, four steals, two blocks. They still had 13 turnovers between them. So, hey, nothing to write home about there. But uh, they were the engines tonight. 
um, you know, more of a balanced effort in terms of the role players, Brooke, Bobby, Jeff Teague. We're going to have to talk about Jeff Teague and Pat Connaughton. Those guys gave you awesome minutes off the bench. Um, we expect that from Pat to a large extent. We did not expect that from Jeff Teague, but what a great turnaround story for Jeff Teague in 12 minutes tonight. Um, but, but man, I mean, you look at the numbers, you know, it was even in paints in the point or points in the paint. You know, I think the, the Hawks did a much better job of taking away, uh, you know, some of the easy stuff around the paint. It was pretty much even in terms of offensive rebound rates, 28.6% for the Bucks, 27.7% for the Hawks. There was so little to, to really, you know, get, get there. Turnovers, 16 for Atlanta, 15 for the Bucks, 19 free throws made by both teams. You know, it, it really was a very close game across most of these stats. Both teams had 11 steals. Um, but ultimately, you know, the Bucks shot better on twos, 55% versus 43%. And they made 17 out of 45 threes, which is basically pretty much the exact same percentage as Atlanta, 12 out of 32. But they took more threes and they were better on those twos. They were ultimately just better at finishing and you know, ultimately this was a game that um, they won because of their balanced scoring and timely scoring. And to do it two games in a row to go to the NBA Finals, man, I mean, what a statement about this team and give Mike Budenholzer and that coaching staff a ton of credit. The way that they rallied and defended and and played offensively over these last two games to win back-to-back games by 11 points over the Hawks. Trey Young comes back tonight. Obviously, he didn't really have it, but, um, you know, the Hawks didn't roll over, but Bucks just went out and took it. And <laughs> it's felt like that's something we haven't always seen from the Bucks this year, a team that's just gone out and taken it. Um, but with the chance to go to the finals on the line, they, they absolutely seized the opportunity. And, um, you know, we can, we can worry about the finals matchup, um, you know, tomorrow and the day after. But um, just what an incredible closeout performance as we finally get that Bucks and six. Uh, series result that we've been campaigning here for what eight years that's been the rallying cry we finally get a bucks and six well not only that and i had to just confirm this to make sure my mind wasn't playing some sort of trick on me but the last time the bucks had a chance to win in six was back in 2010 against the atlanta hawks when they lost and brandon jennings was on the roster so it's all come full circle i did let my mind wonder what brandon jennings was doing tonight where he was watching the game I'm sure he was just whispering to himself, Bucks in six uh, throughout the fourth quarter and, uh, and probably pretty happy about watching this result. Well, let's talk about Built Bar now, Frank. There is no better taste in the world than a victory Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. I know endless numbers of our listeners, perhaps numbers similar to what was in the Deer District tonight, will be having a Built Bar in celebration from the Bucks Game 6 win, from the Bucks moving through to the NBA Finals. Built Bar... There's nine delicious flavors. If you're not aware of these flavors, then you're really missing out. You just need to go to builtbar.com and check it all out. This bar is healthy for you as well. Uh, Covered in chocolate, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. And uh, as is always the case with Built Bar and Locked On Bucks, we've got a great deal for you. Just go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I mentioned this after game five and just saying that anytime the Bucks hit a few threes in a row, it feels like the floodgates have opened and, and everything's falling and everything is back to normal. But they were struggling again big time. Five for 19 at halftime. And it was interesting because... And by the way, I, I love the TNT crew. I know people get angry, whatever. I love Inside the NBA. I watch it for pure comedic value. If you want to get the X's and O's, you can listen to the low post, whatever it is. You're not watching Inside the NBA to really learn anything about the game. And what we've learned, Chuck has been the big Milwaukee guy. The big Milwaukee guy. He guaranteed the Bucks are going to win the title. <laughs> but once he decided that the Bucks were dumb, like once he gets an idea, once any of those guys get an idea, it's impossible for them to change it. So what we saw at halftime, was Chuck saying, well, the Bucks are done, which has been his routine every single game. But then they proceeded to show a highlight clip of why the Bucks' offense sucked, and it was just oh, open, open three, open three, after <laughs> open three, after open three, after open three. And then I saw a tweet from uh, our friend that's been on the show before, Matt Moore, who, who does a great job, but he tweeted and said, just get it inside, just get it inside. And I said, I don't really disagree with this. I mean, the Bucks right now, they only shot 19 threes in the first half. They've all been pretty good looks. The big problem was the turnovers. So if the yeah. Bucks could clean up the turnovers, they were going to be just fine. They had 10 at halftime. They finished with 15 total team turnovers. So that was it. That's what they needed to do. They stopped wasting those possessions. I thought when they had the ball and they weren't giving it away, uh, they did a pretty good job of running the offense. But we spoke about the substitution pattern of Bud. I mean, let's be honest. We've, we've spoke about it endlessly. But one of the points I did make after game five was the fact that I, it, it made sense to me why Bud was trying to steal those Jeff Teague minutes. Now, we always talk about the fact that role players play better at home uh, in the playoffs. Uh, uh, maybe Jeff Teague felt like he was at home tonight. But it was interesting because in game five, he played those minutes. He had those three assists. He was actually plus one in his short time on the court tonight in this game. He had 11 points. It's kind of surprising that even though he had those 11, he was still only plus one. But boy, Four you fouls. Need- Right. Four, four yeah, fouls and, in like 11 minutes. Yeah. And that's the yeah. thing. I mean, it's not like it was an absolute cl- a clinic from Jeff Teague, but um, he, he, he did make some smart plays and clearly he hit some big shots. And not only did they need to relieve Chris and Drew a little bit of that ball handling, but on top of that, I think the fact that Trey Young was, was so limited, they probably felt a little bit better about having him out on the floor because he didn't really want to attack either. So I thought that just trying to get those couple of minutes from him made some sense. And then you already spoke about some of, of the other role players there. But what about Brooke Lopez, Frank? Because, I mean, you spoke on the last pod, so maligned from Bucks fans earlier on in the season. What a series he's had, and quite frankly, what a postseason he's had. He's plus 25 in his 38 minutes tonight, yeah. which is a, a mountainous effort because when you consider, and he played 47 minutes in game seven against Brooklyn, but this is entirely different minutes for Brook Lopez because you're asking him to do a, a completely different things. He wants to be featured more in the offense. You want him rolling to the basket. You want him switching out to the perimeter, which he did endlessly tonight to try and defend these guys out on the three-point line, which is no mean feat. Brook Lopez, for long stretches in this game, particularly the first half when the Bucks were kind of just keeping their head above water, just so, so important. He's had a hell of a series. Yeah, I was, I was definitely concerned about now that the Hawks had sort of a, a, a game to adjust to the idea mm. of Brooks switching, I was a little interested slash concerned about, you know, are the Bucks actually going to do that again? Do they change anything? Um, you know, 
are, are they going to tactically keep kind of keep doing what they're doing? I think you assumed, hey, they're probably going to keep doing that because, you know, Bud is pretty predictable when when something works, he's going to keep doing it. Um, and, you know, I, I think sometimes, we, you know, people want him to be probably more proactive than actually is is smart, uh, to be honest, you know, and. And so, you know, the answer is probably somewhere in between. You know, I think I still would like him to be a little more proactive than, than he might otherwise be. But going to that switching scheme was something that was proactive. And it's hard to look at the Bucks' results these past two games and Brooks' play specifically and really question it, you know, because the Hawks, even tonight, really, you know, never got consistently able to punish those switches. Interestingly, I thought the best run they had with switches was when they were targeting Chris in the pick and roll with Trey. Trey mm -hmm. blew by uh, Chris a couple times uh, in the second half in particular, I think it was. Um, but Brooke, they never really felt like they exploited it. They, they got Capella a couple times going down the, going down the middle uh, when, when you know, they switched it, which you know, is something that obviously, if you've got like more of a kind of typical post-up center, um, you, know, you can obviously try to exploit that if not just trying to exploit Brooke with a small, but also, you know, if you're switching a, a smaller guy onto a big rolling, you know, how do you, how do you kind of monetize that? Um, but never really consistently punished the Bucks too badly. I mean, Capella put, got 14 points tonight, but seven out of 13, you know, you live with that. Right. Um, and Collins six, of, six of nine hit, hit another number of mid range jumpers, but they made him really work and, you know, 13 points, in 31 minutes, you know, I think you kind of live with that. Um, and uh, I, I thought, you know, I, in our DM third before the game, I think I said that maybe the Bucks' best chance tonight is if Trey actually plays because there's just a good chance that Trey is just not going to have his rhythm, right? I mean, we see this with, with guys coming back from injuries. We, you know, we'll have to talk about it with Giannis. We saw it with Giannis when he came back against the Celtics in those two games midseason from that knee injury he had. Um, it took him like two, three games to get looking right. Tonight, Trey comes back. Interestingly, I thought he he looked actually pretty decent going off the bounce. He got mm. to the rim a number of occasions. Um, it's not like he's a guy that's finishing at the rim, or, you know, over and through guys anyway. Um, but his three point shot didn't have his rhythm there. 0 for six there. Four for eleven on twos. Clearly, he was not at his best. Did have nine assists, but five turnovers. Um, so again, you know, you can ask the question like, were the uh, were the Hawks better off for having Trey Young on the floor tonight? I don't know. You know, I mean. It's not like Lou Williams did anything. <laughs> Lou Williams was 0 for 3 with four points in 12 minutes. It's not like Lou Williams was looking like a guy that, that was prepared to, to go supernova tonight either. So you have to give Trey a ton of credit, you know, to, to go out there. That looked like a very serious ankle injury. He obviously was not at 100%. Um, and ultimately, I think it worked out the way we kind of discussed before the game. I think it worked in the Bucks' favor that he actually did try to kind of, you know, heroically come back and, and play tonight. And I just didn't think he. Didn't think he had it. And also, you know, again, credit to, to Brooke and, and the bigs because when those switches happened, Trey really couldn't, didn't, you know, didn't consistently take advantage of it. Um, and, you know, you kind of go up and down the lineup. I mean, Bogdanovich, um, thankfully, he heated up, you know, late in this series, 7 out of 12, 20 points tonight, um, but ultimately just didn't have enough. And, you know, his struggles early in the series uh, were obviously – helpful for the Bucks being able to get those first couple wins. Um, so they, they dodge Bogdanovich and we won't, we won't have to hear about, you know, Bogdanovich killing the Bucks um, the year that, that they thought they had traded for him. 
not to say that if the Bucks lose the NBA Finals that people won't say, oh, can you imagine if they had had Bogdanovich? Of course, that will that will we'll continue to hear that probably for a long time, um, <laughs> unless they win a championship. Um, but you know, Cam Reddish, who annoyed the shit out of me tonight, you know, Cam Reddish, who has never been an efficient scorer like since high school. Uh, 21 points on 12 shots, including six for seven threes. Come on, Cam Reddish. What the hell were you thinking? What were you on tonight? Um, but but again, Bucks just were solid enough defensively. 107 uh, defensive rating tonight. You'll take it. Um, that's that's pretty damn solid, and especially on a night when the Hawks uh, actually shot a decent percentage from three. Ultimately, Bucks, you know, forced enough turnovers. Um, didn't get completely killed on the glass. Weren't great there. Um, but they were just sort of setting up up and down and man, just, just crazy that we're here. I don't know. You, you want to talk about some of these role players? Cause I mean, you know, we talked about it, right. That they would need something and they got, they got the Lopez Portis games last time out. Um, they got some, certainly I would say more surprising contributions tonight. Well, Cam Reddish, first of all, I, I thought once he hit the first couple of threes, I thought, this guy's talking a little bit too much for a team that's that's a, a fair way behind at the moment. And then once he hit his fifth and his sixth, I was starting to think, all right, he could probably start to talk a little bit here. I don't think this guy's ever going to miss another shot. And by the way, he, he, he I thought he did an excellent job on Chris Melton. I mean, he was pretty good in game five defending Chris as well, despite the fact Chris ended up putting up numbers. And then tonight again, I mean, he's long, he's, he's, he's physical. And I think he was allowed to be physical as well, but given that he'd been out for for quite a while and also playing his first playoff games, I, I thought he was incredibly impressive. And and the only other guy I'd really tip my hat to from the Hawks is the rookie Onyeka Onkongu. I thought he was really impressive at stretches. Only eleven points, uh, only eleven minutes tonight, but early run in the series, I think they've got a good one there. The Hawks, genuinely a pretty exciting young team. I think that's fair to say. Rather than go the role players, though, I want to talk more about Drew Holiday because. These are the numbers for both Chris and Drew in game five and six once Giannis went down. And Brooke was obviously huge across theirs. We've, we've just given him his praise. There's no doubt about that. But these two guys, we mentioned the fact that their big games in game fives or their monster stat lines were really overshadowed because of Bobby Portis, because of Brooke Lopez. But in game five and six, uh, Chris Middleton averaged 29 points, 8.5 rebounds, 7.5 assists, and 2.5 steals. And Drew Holiday, 26 points, 7.5 rebounds, 11 assists, and 2.5 steals as well. Just monstrous lines. And, and that's, that's stepping up when Giannis went down. Um, that, that's why they traded for Drew Holiday, for, for these moments. Not necessarily for Giannis to go down, but for having a third guy that you know when the Bowman is big, they're not going to give a shit. And he said it all season long. I don't feel any pressure when I'm out on the floor. This is what I want. I want to be in those moments. He proved it again tonight. But defensively, this guy is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, there was so many times tonight. He might have been guarding Trey Young, or it might have been Bogdan Bogdanovich. It might have been John Collins, who he was in the post with for a lot of the night. Halley was even on Clint Capella down in the post when he got switched onto him on a couple of possessions as well. It's almost like Drew Holiday just looks at a guy and decides, that's it. Uh, I'm, go- I'm just going to take that ball now. I-, I want that ball. It actually reminds me of the Jason Kidd versus Sacramento Kings a couple of years ago where he just like slapped the ball out of his hands. Drew Holiday does it a little bit more gracefully and it's not to an official, but he definitely sits there and just decides, I've had enough of you having the ball. The way that he uses controlled physicality and controlled aggression, his timing, his ability to move left and right. You never really think about Drew Holiday as an explosive defender, but the combination of, of timing 
and also strength just sets him apart. And, and I, I thought it was an absolute clinic from him defensively tonight. Let's discuss betonline.ag now, Frank. And uh, who would have thought you can go to betonline.ag right now and get odds for the NBA Finals that include the Milwaukee Bucks? Who would have thought? Not something I ever thought I would see in my life. But along with NBA, you can also get NHL, MLB, and then uh, UFC, MMA there as well. The Brewers, geez, they're rolling at the moment, aren't they? They're playing some some pretty good, uh, pretty good basketball, pretty good baseball, which I know a lot of our listeners are happy about. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Uh, just head, you can get a fifty percent welcome bonus right there as well when you use the promo code Locked On. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams continue their runs through the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. But I made the comparison of, of Drew to, to Charles Woodson because it just felt like, you know, he's just all over the all over the field, fittingly both number number twenty one. Um, and there were just a few plays where he was just like, "That's mine. I'm just taking it," you know. And and we're just going the other way. And um, he was great. And kind of seeing the redemption of Drew this series. I mean, he had a couple of uh, stinkers in this, <laughs> this series as well, but. Um, the first two games, he was electric. The lot of these last two games, he was tremendous. Uh, we've seen we've seen Chris and Drew the way they've stood out. They've stood up and stood out uh, when Giannis has been down. You know, during the regular season as well. I think the stat was they were six and five overall, but I believe six and two the Bucks were without Giannis when when Drew and Chris like and and other guys were actually available. Um, so those guys have been doing this kind of all season, being able to step up and fill that void. Um, obviously having, you know, Giannis out does, does, you know, that his gravity is gone, but you know, again, I think it does simplify things a little bit. They know that they're going to have to get up shots. They don't have to pick their spots as much as they might otherwise have to. And, um, you know, Drew's attacking tonight. I, I thought back to that, you know, the post with, with the inside guys on Thursday where, you know, I think they said this Charles or somebody was, or Shaq was like, you know, why aren't you up? you're not always this aggressive or something. And he was just like, you're right. You're right. You know? And he kind of was just like, yeah, I got to be more aggressive. And it just has felt, it's felt like these last two games that he's just taken that very much to heart that he has to really attack and be looking for a shot. And, you know, it felt like he was getting the rim a lot. And again, he isn't always going to finish, but you know, he's so smooth and, and talented as, as a finisher around the basket. I mean, I think, the one thing he doesn't do is, is draw fouls. Obviously, you know, he, he's almost like too smooth for his own good in that, in that regard, just one out of three from the foul line tonight, which, you know, he's kind of dings his efficiency a little bit, but um, certainly no, no play bigger than, uh, than that finish when they were up six to, to push it back to eight. And then, um, you know, not as much from Brooke tonight, um, but throwing that, that ball up top for Brooke to, to hammer down. I mean, you could argue whether that was the exclamation point or that PJ corner three was the exclamation point, but um, fun to see, uh, you know, Drew dial up Brooke for, for another lob after the way that they hurt the Hawks consistently in that last game. And, um, you know, I, I hope that obviously whatever happens with, with this run and, and these finals that those guys are going to get renewed respect for their ability to step up and rise to the occasion and make big plays. And, you know, not be afraid of the moment, right? And, and obviously with, with Chris in particular, 
he's been here so long he's had to face that criticism about like well in these these big games doesn't show up and people say that about him during the regular season right and then no he wasn't good in Toronto and you know blah 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 in that Toronto series but uh, of course he's had still had off shooting games you know you look at his numbers this postseason he hasn't shot the three ball as well as as you'd like he's at 34 percent you know story of the bucks right but um you know he has he has gone both of the wins in Atlanta, right? Look no further than Chris Middleton. Just a fourth quarter explosion uh, in game uh, game three to win that game, put the team on his back to win that game. The explosion in the ninth third quarter to win that to, win, to you know really kind of put the Bucks on their way to win this game. Um, hopefully, hopefully the the haters and the skeptics, um, you know, will will again. People always find complain about, and you're never going to convince everybody on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter, but um, you know, you just have to feel awesome for those guys uh, to get the spotlight and to you know, to not, there's no better way to answer the question of whether or not the Bucks have a real number two or a real number three than for Giannis to be out and for those two guys to say, all right, you need us to be number one and, you know, 1A and 1B for two games. Let's do it. And to rise the occasion, carry the Bucks to an NBA Finals berth. I mean, that's the ultimate endorsement of, of, uh, of, of what they're capable of and what they've meant to this, this playoff run. So I just put a photo up on Twitter as you were speaking about Chris and, and all those things there. My, my Twitter is telling me that trending worldwide right now is Teague. So <laughs> just, just as we suspected, that was going to be the case heading into the NBA finals. I, I think one thing I, I wanted to mention, and the guys were talking about this in the post game here as, as it just wrapped up a few minutes ago. The guys, I, I say the guys, by the way. Um, yeah, my friends they just moved through the NBA finals. The guys, they were just talking about it. But I, I think resiliency and also fight and also no panic, I, I think is the thing that stands out with this team. You certainly point to Chris. And uh, I mentioned it at one point during the third quarter when he scored those first eight points. I didn't know he was going to go on and score 23 in the quarter. But I said, well, an NBA playoff story. It's almost like a 30 for 30 of the Bucks playoff run so far. You would get to every single moment where you feel like the Bucks are in a little bit of trouble, and then Chris Middleton would step up, and he's the one that's hitting the shots. But I think the one thing that we've learned about this team, and again, this started late in the regular season, and we had this conversation. Geez, I don't really remember too many times where the Bucks have had to either come from behind or really fend off a team that's coming at them. And they had a couple of moments late in the regular season where they were able to do that. And then we've seen it on repeat through the playoffs that there's been games where it's either been really, really close down the stretch or they've been really, really challenged in the fourth quarter. And the games that stand out to me just off the top of my head right now, game one against Miami, obviously game three against Brooklyn and then game six and seven when they're they're fighting off elimination. And then in this series against Atlanta, game three, and then obviously uh, this game tonight. And, And they just never really, to me, looked like they panicked too much. I mean, sometimes you look at the offense and you say, geez, there's not much ball movement now. There's not much uh, offense being run. But typically, this is what happens at the end of games. And this is why when teams have looked at the Bucs in previous versions, they've said, okay, well, Chris is kind of the only guy that can get you a bucket. Giannis will do what he do, and he's obviously great. It's not a knock on Giannis, but in terms of getting you an outside jump shot, Chris was really the only guy. And I think we saw Drew Holiday in multiple stages during this postseason run step up and be that man. But overall, and I, I don't know whether it is losing in the past and being more experienced in these moments 
whether it's the Bucks' approach right through the regular season this year, where from the, the mini training camp, they told us, Bud answered and said, yeah, we're going to experiment a little bit. We know what the regular season's for. It's for perfecting our, our different schemes, our different sets, our adjustments. So when it comes to the fourth quarter in the game and you need to try something different, like this series where they went small in several stages when Giannis was, was still playing and they were able to play Giannis at the five, when they get to a game five situation where, okay, Brooke, now you're switching and we're switching one to five. Like when you think about the process, and this is why we've spoke about it a lot. And this is why I was always confident that this was the best version of the Bucks team we've seen uh, in, in terms of, I think, their ability to perform in the postseason. We certainly questioned the run and, and the competitors and the fact that we thought the East had got better. But I think that we've seen evidence in all of these series why the experiments and yes, the ups and down and yes, all the question marks of whether this team was going to be able to pull it together. We've seen it pay off and we've seen it pay off at the right time. And you mentioned Bud deserves credit. He does because he's pulled some really important strings during this postseason run, but the players deserve credit as well for sticking with it through what at times compared to what we've seen in previous years was a rocky regular season. There was, there was losing streaks. There was nights where you were just left scratching your head, wondering what is this team doing right now? But they stuck with the process. We saw the benefits late in the regular season and we've seen it pay off in the most important moments. And this team just doesn't look like it panics anymore. And that's just not something I've associated with the Bucks in previous years. Yeah. And um, one, one proactive thing that, that, that they did tonight. I mean, I think a lot of people say, Oh, well, you know, they're still switching everything tonight. Um, Putting PJ Tucker on Trey Young was yeah, yeah. a really interesting move that obviously you look at what Trey ended up doing and the fact that, you know, defensively you were able to hold on the fort, you would say it was a smart move. Um, and the reason, and you know, at first I was like, Hmm, PJ is on him. And then I was like, I wonder why they're doing it. Oh, it's because we knew that they were going to go switches. So yes. I mean, of course, if you bring up your big man, you're still going to have a switch um, of Brooke on Trey. And that's obviously the, yeah, that's obviously going to be challenging for Brooke. But the flip side is you can't hunt uh, the big on PJ the way you can if, you know, for instance, Drew is on him. As, as good as Drew is kind of playing up against bigger guys, um, if you have a guy rolling the rim or trying to post up, you know, think about how many times the Bucks had to face, you know, especially Gallinari uh, on switches, posting up and, and feasting against smaller guys, drawing fouls, etc. In uh, the previous game, um, I thought that was a really interesting move by Bud to try to sort of throw things off because, of course, the obvious thing was to put Drew on, on Trey. And it's not that, you know, we didn't see that at all tonight. But to do that at the start and basically just say, hey, you know what, Trey, like, we know you're not 100%. And we know you guys can potentially take advantage of switches if, you know, if we're just one through five switching everything. We're going to throw a little, little curveball at you um, on top of the curveball from last game, which now you've seen it. And now you probably have – you guys probably have some counters. Um, I thought that was a really interesting kind of changeup that, that Bud threw. And, um, you know, the footage after the game of Darvin Ham, like literally like, you know, Darvin, who's obviously a huge human being, former, <laughs> you know, NBA forward, picking up Bud, you know, I don't know how many feet off the ground and hugging him and, you know, seeing those two guys who have been together since Atlanta, right? Darvin came with, uh, with Bud and a number of the other assistants from the Hawks um, to see those two guys uh, succeed. And, and I know that, you know, Bucks fans have had a, a, I don't know what the best way to frame it, a complicated relationship to, to Mike Budenholzer this year in particular and the questions about him and, you know, thinking about, 
the possibility slash seeming likelihood at times that the Bucks would move on from him uh, this offseason. Uh, you have to obviously feel good that that he was able to show, you know, that he could pull the right strings with a, a lineup that, let's be honest, I mean, coming into the year, we knew that they were not going to have the same depth as previous years. And then on top of that, you know, you play these last two games, you know, at this point, everybody sort of just doesn't even think about Dante DiVincenzo anymore. Um, but for Dante to be gone, and then you take away your league MVP, who, oh, by the way, is like, you know, a linchpin of what you can do in any defense, right? Whether you're switching or not, Giannis is such a, you know, trump card that you can pull out in any type of defensive alignment. So to go with the the, the switch everything um, option these last two games after you, you lose Giannis and you put, you know, two guys on the floor with Bobby and Brooke, who you don't think of as being like guys that you just want to switch everything with. Um, that's a ballsy move. <laughs> and um, Ultimately it worked and you give those guys a ton of credit because as you were saying, I mean, it didn't feel like as much as they even worked on it during the season. It didn't feel like this team looked like they were particularly good at switching. And I mean, they're going to be tested again if they try to do this against the likes of Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Um, you know, that's, that may be the ultimate test of, of some of the stuff we saw them do these last couple of games. But, um, but yeah, I, I think again, it's just, it's just one of those things that like when you see a team kind of pull together and lock in and win these games, um, you know, I mean, PJ Tucker, you know, like I just, where would this team be without PJ and having just guys that can um, be versatile. And, and again, I think Brooke and Bobby, especially Brooke have been probably, you know, sold short of, of what they can do in sort of different situations. And Brooke in particular, Brooke is an awesome defender, you know, doing what he does best. Bobby is, you know, let's just say not anywhere close to Brooks class as an overall defender, but Brooke being an awesome rim protector to then show that he can step out and hold his own and, you know, stand up. And, and as you pointed out earlier uh, for Brooke to be plus 25, I mean, what a great statement about what he was able to do. And, and again, tonight people aren't going to look at it as, as you know, in the same light as his last game, but you know, for him to score 13 on nine shots, he gets another few blocks. Um, you know, he, if, if you can keep him on the floor and you can win those Brooke Lopez minutes and they can't really exploit, you know, your size and, and the way that you're defending, um, obviously that was always going to be just a huge, huge thing for the Bucks, especially without Giannis, because your, your ability to do counters and run different things uh, without Brooke are just, just extremely limited. So, um, I mean, yeah, just, just so happy for Brooke, happy for all these guys, but, you know, I'll end on Brooke just, what an awesome dude and just such a fun guy to root for these past few years and for him to continue to stand out and show that not only <laughs> should he be the starting center on the Milwaukee Bucks, but, you know, he can be such a key piece of, of getting them to the NBA finals. I mean, that's, it's just so great as a fan to, to see these guys that, that are so easy to love um, come through on, on the biggest stage. Yeah, I guess we should wrap this up. Or we can continue to go through every single player. We could even go back to, to previous teams and congratulate some of the other players that obviously played some role. And then we can be here and by still recording this podcast at tip of game one in a few nights if you want. We could keep doing that. But I guess, I mean, you mentioned Tucker and the interesting role that he played tonight. And this is, I'll finish on this. I, I thought it was at least a little bit interesting this series. I mean, we spoke about this before it even began that with Trey Young, it was very obvious that, the Hawks were going to try and hide him on PJ Tucker on defense. And, and I, I think 
they obviously did that to an effective level because PJ Tucker is not a guy, no matter what you do, that you're going to run any offense through. But I think we still saw the value of PJ Tucker with his ability to to crash the offensive glass. I thought he was huge. He got you over two offensive rebounds per game in this series, which right across the wins, when you look in the second chance points and the offensive rebounds, they're actually a pretty critical factor in this series. And then, and then ultimately, I think, as you said, I mean, defensively, he... He's always trying to at least make little plays. We saw him scrapping. And I thought uh, on top of the, the sort of the bonus of him either switching on to whoever it was, Capella or Collins, whatever, you like that size matchup there. But I did think, okay, the Bucs have said, fuck it, we're going to test out Trey Young a little bit here. Because the one thing you know is that PJ Tucker, if there's going to be any of those fouls where Trey Young is trying, going to try and fool the official, which he literally did on the first possession that he got on this night, didn't get the whistle. It's like, okay, well, PJ Tucker's probably going to make him feel it a little bit. And it is the postseason, obviously. Um, that's the way to go there. But I've said it before, PJ Tucker, for a guy that's only been around for a couple of months with this team, clearly very popular. And he said in his own post-game press conference, he said, look, there's no champagne here with us. We've still got work to do. The job's not done. This is cool, but plenty more to do. And I, I reckon... In the next next couple of days here, Frank, you you think you can fire yourself up to do a little NBA Finals preview pod? Are, are we ready for this? I feel like this postseason has been going on for about three and a half years, by the way. Yeah, that's the irony. You know, I I, I feel like you know we should. Uh, I I really wish the NBA would give us you know two weeks to emotionally prepare and get maybe give Giannis <laughs> some some extra runs. Yeah, to get, yeah, exactly. That that's a be big better. One. Yeah, that that's obviously we'll have a lot of time to um, to talk about that. That's obviously the biggest subplot, I think, from a Bucks perspective, and I mean from a Suns perspective too, right? Just Phoenix. Um, you know, both these teams have obviously had the ball bounce their ways in a number of, of respects. You know, the the Suns being up two one on, or sorry, being down two one against the Lakers, and then Anthony Davis goes down. Um, you know, obviously Denver being without Jamal Murray and seemingly any guards um, in, in the second round of the playoffs. And they obviously made short work of them and showed, you know, how good of a team Phoenix is the way that they would dispatch them. And then, you know, to get the Clippers without Kawhi, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny. I was, I, you know, we, we've obviously talked a lot about the Nets series in particular. Everyone will look at that and be like, well, the Bucks shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be where they are because of the injuries of two opponents. Um, but it's pretty wild how both of these teams, you know, it's, it, it's been pretty dramatic for the Suns as well the kind of weakened opponents they've had to face. But again, I don't think you, I mean, to take away from either of these teams at this point, you know, look, I get it. Um, all these series that we've, we've talked about, we've seen and that are, you know, upcoming, of course, they're more entertaining if the best players are on the floor, et cetera, et cetera. But I, you know, I don't know. I mean, to, to just try to like relentlessly take away credit from, you know, the teams that are left standing at the end, I think is, kind of pointless in a lot of ways doesn't mean everybody has to you know love that you know it was Chris Middleton Drew Holiday against Trey Young and Bogdan Bogdanovich in game six but as a you know as a Bucks fan do I give like any shit about any of that no I don't right <laughs> and I don't think I don't think Bucks fans I mean what an what incredible scenes from the Deer District tonight Shout out to everybody that has been supporting the team, both in the arena and outside the arena. Uh, everybody who listens to us on this, you know, it, it again, it means a lot to me that we we can share our emotions and our feelings. You know, I I didn't cry watching the last couple minutes. I I my I was getting this like weird sort of like feeling, like especially in the last two minutes when you know you felt like okay, this is done. Um, 
I don't know, these like weird swells of emotions at the idea that, that this team under these circumstances, Giannis being out, that they were actually going to be going to the NBA finals. Um, it's pretty crazy. And, and again, and I, I feel like a broken record, but I'll say it again. Like, don't let anybody take away these minutes and hours and the celebrations and the joy that you get from watching this game and this team, because this is, you know, this, this is why we, this is why we're sports fans. You know, we're, we're not sports fans just to win championships because that is so hard. <laughs> it is so hard and so rare to win championships in, in any of these major sports. Um, we know that better than anybody as Bucks fans. Um, and so I, I hope people are just really enjoying this weekend. I mean, what a beautiful July 4th weekend. People get, you know, some hopefully some vacation days, some extra time to really enjoy it, let loose, go out, celebrate this on a Saturday night. And, um, you know, the job's not done, of course. Uh, but if you can't enjoy the ride, you know, th- there's no point in following sports, right? If you can't enjoy the the well, I don't want to say the roller coaster because I was not enjoying Tuesday night. But if you can't enjoy <laughs> the the highs, at least, um, and especially these last couple of games and what we've seen from this team and and you know what it's meant, hopefully you guys have been able to appreciate it with fellow fans. Um, to me, that's that's always the big thing is just you know, Kane sharing it with you, sharing it with our friends that we've made through through following the Bucks and um, what a what a crazy wild ride. And uh, thankfully, it's not done yet. No, I've, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I've always said this, that, and, and I've been fortunate enough with my Aussie footy team that's been really, really good for a long time. And people always, you know, try and give me shit about it, times that they've lost. And I always say, no, 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 no. Because the ride to that point, and for me, the anticipation leading up to a grand final and, or a championship game in Aussie footy, and similarly in this situation for Bucks fans leading up to game one, these next two days are like, there might be a little bit of anxiety, but it should be pure joy. And you go back and you watch the replay of game six and maybe watch some other replays of game seven against Brooklyn, your favorite moments through this postseason run. That's what it's all about being a fan. So, you know, screw all the negativity. Enjoy these next couple of days. I know everyone is going to. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, we spoke about Giannis a lot. And to me, another just huge benefit of winning this game is that the temptation isn't there to rush him back for a game seven if he's not quite ready. So look, the NBA finals tip off on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central time in Phoenix. So it's not the break perhaps we would have liked just purely from a Giannis perspective, but at least the temptation to rush him back for something he's not ready for, for a do or die game seven is not there. I don't think anyone wanted to go through another game seven so soon probably take a game seven in the finals but that's a long way off we're gonna have time <laughs> to run through it all frank uh, uh, you know again uh, this is last year felt weird the postseason run but this is the first time we've been able to run through and do this podcast and it, it's been awesome i don't want it to end i hope we've got another couple of weeks here and a really fun nba finals from our perspective to come but uh, i get the feeling we may even have some new listeners tonight the listeners have been great right through the postseason um, the, the downloads and all that's quite ridiculous actually when I, when I look at the numbers and see how many people are listening to the show so we appreciate all you guys we know that you're enjoying this playoff run from this team and, and as I said hopefully we've got a little way to go so Frank uh, see if you can get some sleep tonight or something maybe you won't who cares it doesn't really matter I'll be hassling you pretty soon to talk Bucks Suns as uh, somehow we have to move on from this they lifted the trophy it wasn't the trophy we want so we'll be back We'll do a full series preview with Bucks and Suns. There'll be a crossover with Locked On Suns as well. We're going to have plenty of stuff before game one begins. So we'll leave it there. The Bucks are through to the NBA finals. Words I never thought 
I would ever say in my life. But for Frank and myself, we'll wrap it up here. Whatever celebrating you do over the weekend, just do it in a safe manner, please. We we need all you guys uh, here listening to the pod over the next few days. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Take care. We'll speak to you guys then.